Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's good, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your show hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today is our final episode of 2023, and I am joined by an incredible guest, someone very special to me and the video game world. It's the busiest lady in the biz, Andrea Renee, in studio. You Hi, Andrea. You stole my intro. What's good, <laughs> Mike? How are you? Uh, you know what? It is made 10 times better when you're here. Of course, I am very sad that Paris Lily cannot join us today. So I only have one of my gaming dads to wrap up the year, Mr. Gary Witta. But I'm feeling good, looking good ahead of the holiday season, playing some games, looking back on the year that we just had. And you know what? I'm smiling because we had a pretty great year on the Xbox side of things. And can I just give you a shout out for this adorable Xbox Game Pass holiday sweater that you are wearing? For <laughs> Thank you. Everybody listening on podcast, it is this beautiful like baby blue it's got a snowman, and instead of a face, it's the green Xbox circle, and it says Game Pass. But you got, you know, lots of little snowflakes. It's, it's very nice. It is the season, Andrea. And you have a great holiday sweater as well. Meowy Christmas! <laughs> Gary Witten now, joining <laughs> us on the table for everyone listening out there. For the past three weeks, has worn a holiday sweater, except for the final week of December. Well, I'd have worn that one if they'd have sent me one, Mike. Maybe next oh, year. Oh, my God. Let them know, Gary. No. They got to send you more stuff, the, Gary. I, I tell you, the disrespect. Oh, my gosh. It's, that's been the theme this year. I feel like Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> oh, are you telling me Xbox has not sent you enough stuff? Don't get me. I, don't I'm, get I'm not even started. talking to you. Don't yeah, get me started. Yeah, don't get him started oh, with you, Andrew. Don't be mad about my got, bluey Xbox. I've got don't that, be mad. I've got that in the <laughs> chamber for later. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, we are very excited. It is the final Kind of Funny X-Cast for 2023, and it's going to be a fun one. We're going to look back on the year. We're going to give you the good, the bad, the ugly of Team Green, in our opinions. And we're also going to catch up with one another because it's the holiday season. And want to know what you've been playing. What are you going to play over break? And we'll start with you, Andrea, because I haven't seen you in a while. What you've been playing? Well, I'm back on my bullshit, Mike. I'm back in the Dreamlight Valley. I'm there. I'm hard. You know, they, they had the Rift in Time expansion that just dropped, and this is my obligatory. Yes, my husband does work for Disney. has nothing to do with the fact that I love this game. Um, I have over 300 hours into this game, which is weird. I was like, where did those hours come from? Yeah, As yeah. Gary and I were just lamenting that we don't have time to play video games, but somehow I played a lot of Disney's Dreamlight Valley. Um, so they put out this brand new expansion. I actually started playing this game in Game Pass, but then Sweet. I bought it on Steam so I could play it both on my Steam Deck and on my Xbox. Oh, good combo which there. Is, which is great. Um, so they put out a ton of new content. They have some fun holiday stuff. So I've been decorating with all of my holiday items and then unlocking some characters that I hadn't gotten around to yet. So I just got um, Belle and Beast oh. and Jack Skellington and... They've got Rapunzel from Tangled and Gaston and a, a bunch of new characters to play over the last uh, couple of updates. So 
been doing that. That's pretty rad to hear all the Disney, you know, ties to it. It's pretty special. You know, I think Animal Crossing took over the world. I know it did in 2021, right? 100%. We all were at home. We were playing that. For people who might have been out of the Animal Crossing game now that it's been a couple of years, is this something that scratches that itch? A thousand percent. Yeah. It's it's very different, but also really great. And it has its pros and cons compared to Animal Crossing. Okay. I mean, in the like life sim category, I think what really st- puts this game apart is that it has a really complex quest system oh. that really gives players a lot of reason to keep coming back and playing. And you do a lot of mindless grinding in these games, right? I mean, Gary, you played a bunch of Animal Crossing as well. I mean, so you have like your daily chores and your tasks. So you, those don't go away, but you get a lot of reasons to want to go get those things and kind of collect those items in your inventory because of all the fun characters. And then for any Disney fan, the crossover of all these characters together is really cool. That's rad. Gary, maybe a talk show inside of Disney Dreamlight Valley one day? It's funny. Every new new game that comes out that I say I like, people are like, oh, when are you going to do a talk show? When's the talk show? It was a (laughs) one-off. But it's it's funny that you mentioned Animal Crossing because I I think it's, obviously there have been games like the, the Disney game and, um, Leah spent a lot of time this year playing Fae Farm, Fae which Farm, she really loves. Yes. Paleo, and there's all these other games out there that are really interesting that are obviously, you know, in the Animal Crossing mold. I still am very sad about the fact that Animal Crossing, Animal Crossing has been just kind of seemingly abandoned mm. by Nintendo. Like the last, you know, the, 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 the happy home um, vacation designer thing that they did, that was a, there was this amazing content drop. It's one of the most successful games they've ever had. I don't understand the, the thinking behind not continuing. It's a game that you could just support with regular seasonal DLC, like, forever. Like, I, there's, I don't play Animal I used to love Animal Crossing. I was obsessed with it, as you know. I don't play it anymore because it's just there's nothing left to do. Like if you, you've done, you, it comes a point where the, there's nothing new. You can only and, like torture island and rebuild so many times, right? Yeah, and and some people can do that. Like my like my mother-in-law still plays it all the time, and some and, and I think some people just get enjoy just the, like the daily check-ins and stuff like that. And I did for a while as well, but eventually you've got to give me something else you've got to keep it fresh and it just it's it if the game had been a flop i understand why you'd want to move on but like when you've got that many nintendo's so weird right like they drive me crazy massive hit game hugely invested player base and they're like and, they, and they're just like yeah we're done now we're not going to do any more of that yeah it's interesting because they're and i know this is an xbox show not a nintendo show <laughs> um but it's interesting seeing how they clearly are dipping their toes into the live service water right like looking at what they're doing with mario kart and splatoon right? yep. so the, like it's not like they don't do it but they just weren't doing it for this game and they had a, a good amount of years to actually implement it i think even if they brought it back now legacy players would all flock to the game and buy new content yeah it's interesting i mean you bring up xbox right we're going to talk live service games on the xbox side and how you continue that how you keep that in the news and it is odd that yeah a lot of my friends just fell off of animal crossing no one's talking about that anymore in my circles for disney dreamlight valley what are some of the things that would keep you engaged for the long term right i mean disney ip is easy to jump into you bring up the quest is it interior design what more do they need to add to keep you on this hook for a lot longer well, they just implemented multiplayer, which I haven't oh, really gotten to explore okay. yet. So that was a big one that the community was waiting for. They officially came out of early access and are no longer free to play. They announced that they're going to be uh, a retail, like premium paid experience, which I think is smart and better for them, but would like to see their prices of their, you know, in-game currency come down a bit uh, because it still feels like it's priced for free to play, which kind of feels bad, man. We spent a lot of money on that game. Um, but I think the way to keep people coming back is what they've been doing. And they've been doing a really good job of pacing the content drops. 
I mean, I think outside of like the power players who are, you're never going to be able to appease, I think casual, even like core players are getting a lot of content at a reasonable pace. So they're doing a good job. Sweet. Disney character that you want to see added in in the future. What's the dream Disney character How right now? How much time do you have, Mike? I mean, there's so <laughs> For many. For you, as much time as there's you want so on many. This show. I mean, like, I'm a, I'm a deep cut Sleeping Beauty fan. I'd like okay. to see Aurora or Briar Rose. The fairies, I think the three fairies in the game would be really fun. Sweet. Um, so I would like to see those characters, but I also like a lot of the the newer Disney stuff. Um, I would like to see more from Coco. There's like some decor items, but like some of the cast of characters from that game would be really cool. More characters from Encanto. Like, come on, where's Louisa? Bring her to the game. Let's Is she go. the strong one? Yeah. Yeah, I like her. I She's like good. that. Gary Witta, GTA RP 4.0, the no pixel 4.0 server dropped. You get into that? What's no, up, never, Gary? No, we talked, I'm sure we talked about this back in the day. I'm no, I, I had a brief period of really, really, really liking yeah, yeah. GTA RP. You were great I was at it. I deeply invested in it. I was making content. I had a couple of different shows that came out of it. And it was a real, real riot for a while. Um, but then I just, it was like, I was just over it. Like, I just didn't want to, and I never wanted to go back. I did see the trailer for 4.0, and it looks amazing. And it makes me wonder why isn't that the, why isn't that what Grand Theft Auto Online is? I mean, obviously, Rockstar can't make any more money than they already are. So they're obviously doing something right. But there was, uh, uh, the RP thing, the NoPixel thing was very frustrating for me because when it's good, it's amazing. It's like, man, this is the future of gaming. Like, this is an actual living world. Everyone you meet is a real person. Everyone commits to the RP. It's really fascinating. But there's also a lot of stress and anxiety that goes along with it, like act, like social stress. It's just, there's a whole, I, I talked about it a lot when I was playing it, and it's what eventually drove me. And I think the whole group of us that were playing, everybody but one person who still plays have all left, and they all cited the same reasons. Like, it's, it's, at the end, it becomes too stressful. Um, and so we just, we, we left. Same with, like, with, same as with Warcraft. I say the same thing about Warcraft all the time. I have very, very fond memories of playing it, but I'm never going back. Okay. You've been playing any games lately? No, it's been a shit show at my house oh. the last couple of months, Mike. Yeah, we were talking about that before yeah. the show. Oh, yeah. Let's, busy, you know, busy parents but we both got, We both got toddlers yeah. who are, you know, <laughs> max out your bandwidth on the best of days. I had a flooding issue in my office. I had to rip all the floors up in my office. We've had construction outside. Kitchen renovation, um, just so much stuff, catching up after the strike. Like, I've barely had time to play anything. But I do have, I, do have, I think, a modest plan to get some gaming in over the holidays. I know, like, I think people get depressed when they look at the size of their backlog. And you just have to, at some point, you just have to make peace with it and go, I'm never going to play a lot of these games. I'm just never going to play them. Yeah. And, and so just, like, try to carve out, like, what you can do. So my hope for the holiday period is finish Spider-Man 2, which I still haven't done. Um, That's a good choice. Play Alan Wake 2, which good we still haven't Better done. Choice. That's one yeah. for Leah and I to play together. And you know what a big fan I am of Lake. I've got the Lake Christmas Season 3D DLC. Yeah. That's a, you know festive fun. I'm going to play some of that. But I'm not going to start like another big game um, because we've got infin infinite wealth on the horizon. And as soon as that comes out, all bets are off. You know how I feel about <laughs> my man, Ichiban Kashida. I know you love it. I know like, you love that's, it. I'm... I, 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 Sorry for boring people. Like, like a Dragon is, still, is, is seriously one of my all-time favorite games. And I'm, like, the, the sequel is like just a notch behind GTA 6 in terms of like how much I want to play that game. We absolutely need to get you on what's good to talk with Brittany about. Because I know Brittany's seriously yeah. into it. Yeah, she yeah. and I often talk about it. Yeah, yeah, she's... yeah. get me on. When Infinite Wealth comes out, I'll come yes, on. Yes, I would love that. Yeah, let's do it. Get the two of them together. Did you Let play Like go. a Dragon? No, it was a series that I 
Um, I demoed a couple times over the course of my career, but never got into playing. So good. But I've always like kind of seen it as a, a game that I'd, I'd like to play. But again, just like add it to the add it to the list. It's one of those. It's one of those games that after you've played it, you become like a bore about it. Like you just bore everyone. <laughs> oh, you got to play this. You got to play this. Like you, you want. You become like a advocate for it and you want to like push it on other people it's so awesome but the Dundoki Island stuff though that they show Yo, oh hey, my god so there's gonna be like an animal crossing game so now I'm like yeah. oh. that's the scary thing so like the, 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 the Yakuza games always have this right and like a dragon there's like a business simulation that's like a whole other game within it's a game it's mini game mania yeah yeah and, and the fact that there's like an animal crossing type game built within this one I mean that's like here it comes get ready Double dipping for you and maybe possibly yeah, that's, that's gonna be real that's gonna be really dangerous uh, the holidays are right upon us and I want you guys, you know, you might have family and friends over. What's some good holiday games? Maybe to put on the TV, let the little ones play, let the family jump into. Do you have any good holiday game recommendations of for the course. TV? What do you got? Number one every holiday, Jackbox Party Pack. Oh, oh, that's a great point. And they celebrated nice. 10 years this year. We had the pleasure of interviewing some of the devs from the Jackbox Games team on our final send-off episode before we went on hiatus for what's good. And, I mean... You could like pick any of the party packs and like have a good time. What I love about this as a, a family party game is that it works with people who don't play games regularly, yes. works with a lot of people of all ages. And in this new game in, in Party Pack 10, they've added a lot more family friendly toggle safety features. Oh, that's so good. For, that's good. Like language and content and other things like that, because I think people were like, hey, I want to be able to maybe tweak and tailor things, not only for family, but streamers as well, asking for more like, um, Settings and customization. What's the uh, what's the because usually in the Jackboxes there's usually like one game that like stands out. What's the one in the new one? Is there like a favorite game? Uh, it's tough because everyone's different, but my favorite is TKO too. So it's where you do you basically create T-shirt designs. Okay. Uh, but yes. the way that it works. Oh is, no! I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I remember you, that. Yeah. You get a prompt and you have to draw what the what you think the prompt is, and then you have to write in prompts for other people. So you have to come up with phrases, and then the Everybody puts the, then one player puts a f image with a prompt and then everybody votes on which ones they want. And then you can actually get them printed. Like, yes, you that's can. cool. Yeah. Paired with an apparel company. I think we'll, we have it. We have Party Pack 10. Well, yeah. I think we might bust that out over the week. My kids, my daughter loves them. That's a great pull, Andrea. Yeah, that one everyone can play, especially also on the cell phone as well. Great pull right there. I was going to go with some of my favorites, of course, Overcooked 1 and 2. Which Ooh. I know you love, and I love it so, it's so very much. very good. Of course, if you don't want maybe yelling in the kitchen and getting a little frustrated at each other, check out Moving Out and Moving Out 2. I think mm -hmm. those are terrific. You're still going to shout at each other, though. Yeah, uh, yeah but it's more, kind of more co-op, you know what I mean? We work together, collaborative instead of competitive. And then, of course, Party Animals on Game Pass. Oh, I think Party Animals it. is right up the alley for anyone One of my favorite games of the year. Is it my top five games of the year? Gotta be, Gary. Love right. it. What Loved would you put on minute. the TV if you had everybody over, Gary? What's the game for everybody? Just so talking about Jackbox. Um, I wish there was a way to like do like greatest hits, like because like sometimes your favorite games aren't all on the same party pack, right? So if you could like yeah. curate your own, would be really cool without having to like you know load different games each time. But I don't. That's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, just do like the, some some the way Halo Master can... Chief collection. I did of ask them if they were going to do a collection. And yeah, it was they very much. A, we have nothing to report at this time. Because I, I don't think there's ever been a Jackbox where it's like every every game on it is a banger, right? Like so, there's usually one that you eh, a couple are okay, and one that's like really good, and that's the one that you go to. My favorite one, and it was either it was either the most recent one or the one before, is the one where it's like robot rap battles and you have to write lyrics for the ro rap lyrics for oh, the robots Oh, I think that was sing. on Party Pack 9. Yeah, that was a good one. I liked that one as well. Yeah. And I like anything with trivia. I'm okay. good at, yeah. I'm, good, I'm yeah. pretty good at trivia. Murder Party Trivia was probably my favorite Yeah, that's one. Yeah, that one was good.
Yeah, with that's good. And honestly, I still like. This is old school, but like you don't know Jack is still good, right? <laughs> yes, Where it all began, it's, so good. it's still fun. We used to have so much back in the PC gamer days in the nineties. We used to have so much fun playing when it was when it was still like Berkeley and Jelly Vision and like before it became the big thing it is now. You don't know Jack was like I just had so much fun with it. Yeah, it's a good one. I've been playing some good ones lately. I've been playing the finals, which is now out with the version 1.0, oh, which yeah. I enjoy the finals a lot. It is a nice breath of fresh air in the first per- first person shooter genre because I go to Warzone a lot. And gosh, I love Warzone, but it is frustrating just only to start up and then man do I get killed all the time and it is a frustratingly fun game. But the finals has something special going on here and I really like what this team has done. It has the levolution, the destructible environments you would see in uh, of course Battlefield. It has tight fun gameplay. The movement is very fast and I enjoy that, right? I think all the new young kids in this genre love Fast movement, Twitch, first-person shooting. Uh, but the catch is, is they have a fun game mode, which I really enjoy. The only downfall is it's only one game mode. That's my one catch to this is, like, it is one true game mode here, and they don't have anything else. So I feel like after yet, a couple right? of times, yet is right. I, I, they will put out more. But as of right now, to start this off I and in the near future. I should check this out because this is kind of up my alley. Is it is it taking off? Is or Shroud playing it the other yeah, night? Yeah, I think there's a, a big popular reception to this. I think a lot of people are checking it out and playing it. It is 3v3v3. <laughs> so all you need is three people to jump in. It is cool. But you can't play solo. Uh, you or is there matchmaking? Is there solo queue? I think you can solo queue, but I'm sure it's not yeah, going to go I well mean, for like you. Well, the, the pick up matchmaking is, shooters is usually yes. chaos. Yeah, the, this is not that is right, but it is a fun team arena based gameplay. Uh, it is very much <laughs> capture the point. You go to a point, you hit the ATM, you wait for the money to come out, you grab that money, you go back to the next point and deposit those funds yeah. until you get a certain number to win the game. I like the whole Vegas like game show yes. vibe. Uh-huh. You know, it's something different. They have uh, some beautiful maps, day and night in there. It is cool. It's fun. Uh, I've also been playing Inscription. I don't know if you know about yeah, this you card game. You, about it, no, you yeah. came to that late. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I came to that very late. Started it up this week for the first time ever. And as a kid who loves Magic the Gathering and, of course, Hearthstone, this is right up my alley. It's a little spooky, a little freaky, but it's got the card game mechanics that I know and love, and I am all about this game. Nice. This is a game that came out last year, right? I, I believe it was so, nominated yeah. nominated for a bunch of awards last year. Yes. Andy Cortez talked a lot about it uh, here at Kind of Funny. One of the Kind of Funny best friends gifted this to me on Steam. I turned it on finally, and uh, I'll tell you what, I can't get enough of this. I'm thinking about this. I want to play more of this. It is very cool. It's definitely interesting to learn and understand, but it is easy. I think they kind of put on the training wheels at the beginning you're, it's like a roguelite, roguelike, where you're going to die, you have to restart, you have to beat it all in one run, but uh, I'm going to have a good time with this. Holiday yeah, it's, season, it's fun. I here. enjoyed uh, my time with Inscription. And then, of course, my final one that I have to bring up with both of you. I have moved, which means I have created a brand new video game space. I've created my new spare bedroom, and Aww, man, nothing gets me more excited than getting a new spot or redecorating and recreating and I love interior design. I love putting on The Sims, you know, Animal okay, Crossing and all okay. that. So I have a brand new streaming room in my spare bedroom. Uh, Barrett will bring up that photo, but I'm very pleased with how it turned out. Nice. Uh, it is it. in a nice little nook on the far side of the house so nobody can hear me screaming and shouting. <laughs> I've put up all the special lights. I got my shelves with all my little knickknacks. And so I'm very excited to show off oh, look at the this. new some... streaming space. Oh, you got some recessed. Yes. Yeah. Too. Some nice very lights. nice. Yeah, yes. looks good. Uh, this is attached to the garage, so you will see me playing VR in the garage, which I'm very excited okay. about. 
So that's kind of cool. Uh, but if you look through it, I mean, I got the party animals uh, over on the side. I have frame a game up on the wall, which I love. Those are my five favorite games. I have the Sims, Warcraft 3, Halo Collection. I have uh, Diablo 2 as well up there. Your Titanfall 1 statues in the middle. What an iconic toy that you don't need but i needed it but so the game bad that, that started it all for respawn right man that's a special one and it, you know what it was a big hit for the xbox one generation that needed oh, big yeah. hits right like that was xbox exclusive at the time multiplayer only it was the coolest game around and i'll tell you what as an xbox kid i freaking love that it was so much fun and so yeah new streaming space for mike i know gary just updated his office andrew you have an incredible spot to do all of your shows with what's good and beyond so I finally yeah. get a new space. It's nice to, it's it's nice to have a, a, a space you. that's your yes. own that you can make, yeah, curate it. And, and I love creating. I could stare at shelves or a room all day, blank space, and be like, let's put this here. Oh, let me pick it up, move it. I love that. I go crazy for that stuff. I had no idea. Yeah. I feel like we should like talk decorating more. Oh, my God. I would love to. I'd love to. Let's Amazing. talk Xbox, though, because <laughs> we're going to look back on the year of 2023. Did we have it good? Was it bad? Was it ugly? Let's talk about that and a little bit of gaming news. Of course, this is the Kind of Funny Xcast. We post each and every Thursday at 6 a.m. West Coast, best coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, RoosterTeeth.com, and of course on podcast services around the globe. Don't forget, this is our final episode of 2023, so we want to thank each and every one of you for your support, whether you're listening or watching on YouTube Thank you so much over there. Make sure to leave a comment. Let us know what you think of the year. And if you're watching or listening over on a podcast service, leave a review. We'd love to read those. We'd love to get better for you into 2024. Of course, don't forget Kind of Funny Games is now Epic Games Partners, which means if you're upgrading your look in Fall Guys, Rocket League, or Fortnite, or you're buying games off the in-game store over at Epic Games Store, please use our Epic Creator Code, Kind of Funny, at checkout. I've been playing a lot of Fortnite with mm -hmm. the new update. Uh-huh. Use that epic creator code, kind of funny, help support the team because nothing's cooler than bringing in a new character into the Fortnite festival and jamming out with your friends. Have you played this yet? So Ooh. I haven't, but I'm very excited to check it out because I'm a big, like, longtime Harmonix fan. Um, Frequency is one of my top 10 favorite games of all time and have a long history with music and rhythm games. And when I heard that they were building something custom inside of Fortnite, I was like, that sounds real cool. <sighs> It is real cool. Jump on that with your friends. Nice music playlist. I think they're doing a really good job of keeping it limited of like, you can buy the songs and build it out. But right now, if you want the free songs, I think they do a good job of like, hey, here's like 10, five to 10. You play whatever you want. Get back into the game, right? And so mm -hmm. you jump into Lego Fortnite, which Gary, have you tried that out yet with the family? You're never going to get me into Fortnite. Man. <sighs> you keep trying. I said the same thing, Gary, and then I got into Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the no build mode was it for me yeah no build because i never understood the building and I, I would watch like videos of people playing and i'm like i just can't even follow what's going on with all the building and it's just crazy so when they took the building i said ah, maybe but not quite and then i look at rocket rate rocket racing looks cool yeah maybe but like i know I, I like i don't need any more time sinks i don't want to get i don't want to be a Fortnite person I'm yeah fine without it but we could do Fortnite lego which is minecraft but what's great about Fortnite is that you can do really short sessions. You don't have mm. to do all of that extra stuff. You Good can call. just like drop in, drop out, play a couple games, and then it's quick. Yeah, I have Fall Guys for that, though. I still play Fall Guys. I love Fall Guys. I'm going to play that with my mom over Fall the Fall Guys and Party Animals are my games when I just want to have like, I've got like 30, 30 minutes to burn. And I jump in, yeah. get a crown. Yeah. Maybe well, the two. funny thing is, I actually haven't played Fall Guys recently because I did that a couple of months ago. I, was like, I haven't played Fall Guys in a while. I've got 30 minutes. And I kind of got. I just feel like I want to play some Fall Guys. I hadn't played in ages. 
jumped in, boom, crown right on the first game. Yeah. Put the controller you. down and just Costanza out of the room. <laughs> and I haven't played it since. <laughs> Retiring undefeated. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Of course, we always like to thank those who support us over on Patreon. Don't forget, you can sign up over on Patreon at patreon.com slash kindoffunny and patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames to get a bevy of bonus content. You can watch our shows ad-free live as we record them or even get them later on ad-free so you never have to put up with pesky ads. But we'd like to thank those who support us, whether you're watching live like Mr. Hawks, Omega Buster, Alex, and so many best friends in the live chat or if you're one of our Patreon producers for the month of December, like Jackson Hampton and Delaney Twining, thank you so much for your support. This week, the Kind of Funny X-Cast is sponsored by BetterHelp, but I'll tell you all about that in just a little bit. Guys, let's get into some small news stories before we break down the year. I got a good one. Bobby Kotick is stepping down December 29th. This is something we already knew he was going to leave the company after this acquisition merger, but we now have a firm date. This is coming from Tom Warren. Tom Warren and Ash Paris at The Verge. Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick is stepping down officially December 29th. Microsoft has not appointed a direct replacement and instead has rolled out a suite of Activision Blizzard executives, including Blizzard President Mike Yabara, Activision Publishing President Rob Kostick, and Activision Blizzard Vice Chair Thomas Tipple. Under Microsoft's Game Content and Studios President Matt Booty, Codex's departure comes just two months after some big Xbox leadership changes that saw Sarah Bond promoted to Xbox president, leading all Xbox platform and hardware work, and Matt Booty promoted to president of game content and studios, including overseeing Bethesda and ZeniMax Studios. Now Booty is getting even more responsibilities with Bethesda, Activision Blizzard, and Xbox Game Studios all under his watch. Andrew Renee, I'll start off with you since you're our guest. Now we have a firm date. We knew this was going to happen, but of course, good news for people out there. And of course, a new restructure, a new game plan for this team, adding another very large team under this umbrella. Yeah, this has been the legal battle of the year, right? I mean, I mean, arguably of the decade. There, this was a huge deal, a historic making deal in video games, having the Xbox deal close with Activision Blizzard. And I think, you know, it was a little hairy there. We thought it might not actually get done, yes. but... You know, they got across the finish line and Activision clearly had a lot of baggage coming into the deal. And Xbox has done a really good job of trying to put forth a really positive culture in the world of video games. They've made a lot of really important statements and really stood behind some of their key pillars like accessibility and inclusion. And I think that they've done a really good job of trying to be better by leading, which is something that Phil Spencer has talked about quite a few times. And so with the Activision issues with the conduct allegations with Bobby Kotick and other senior leadership at Activision, I mean, they had their were cut off for them about what are we going to do about this issue once the deal finally closes. But I mean, I don't need to regurgitate all of the things that we've already talked about, all of us on our respective shows over the course of the year. Listen, he's getting his beautiful golden parachute. He's going to ride off into the sunset. He's probably not out of games because, you know, a lot of those um, high-performing creative types uh, yeah, typically will step back for a little bit and then they'll come back in and do something else. But, I mean, he's not part of this leadership structure anymore. Yeah, it was fun when we were in the middle of the when is this deal going to go through. Of course, we saw Xbox really stand up and say, hey, we're changing the culture. We want to implement this culture. And then everybody would scream, well, fire Bobby Kotick. And it was like, well, they don't own them yet. It's not that kind of time. Now right. we are at that moment, and it is that time. 
Gary, we talk about bringing in another team under the umbrella, of course, Matt Booty, Sarah Bond getting new roles, Matt Booty taking on a whole lot from that team. What do you anticipate here coming from this merger as what we saw with the ZeniMax Bethesda deal? I mean, I think the only way is up, really, for Activision and Blizzard. Uh, you know, Kotick leaving, for better or worse, pro probably for the better. I'm sure there's plenty of people at Activision and Blizzard would be glad to see the back of him. Uh, you know, he's, he has been synonymous with Activision for as long as many people can remember, right? Um, but I don't think he particularly distinguished himself or made Activision a, a better company. I, there's a strong argument he made it a lot worse. Like, if you take Call of Duty out of the equation, what have they done in the last 10, 20 years? Nothing. Right? It's like they, all they've done is drive franchises into the ground by iterating, iterating, iterating. Let's do another one. Let's do another one. Another, oh, it's dead. Oh, we probably shouldn't have beat the dead horse that much. What are, I mean, seriously, other than Call of Duty, what has Activision really got? Right? You, you, no more Crash because, you know, we've put everything into Call of Duty. We brought back Diablo, thankfully. World of Warcraft continues well, I mean, to I go, those are the, those are the Blizzard titles that they you know? acquired. And look at where, look at where Blizzard was when, in, when Activision bought them. Look where mm -hmm. they are now. Do you think it's gotten better or worse? Worse. Yeah, a lot yeah. worse. So what, it can what, only get how? better. The, uh, worse games. The games are you worse. Think, you think Blizzard's portfolio of games is worse now? I think the quality of the games is worse. Okay. Mm. I think I think there's a lot. I think that that's a giant umbrella to put over like a lot of different teams and games. I don't think that categorically everything under Blizzard is worse than than it used. to I didn't to be. say everything. I'm, I'm sure there are some things that are better, but like the the games, which is the which is the main thing, are worse. And I I, I think statistically that's inarguable. Like look at the review but scores. Diablo at, Four set records and became the fastest selling game in their history. Yeah, and, and now everybody hates it because they fail to sustain it. Don't, 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 Diablo 4 is a great game. I love this. It. My most played game of this year. But when it came out, everyone was so relieved. Was, oh, finally, Blizzard gets something right because it had been like Overwatch 2. I, I, I challenge anyone to defend that. Warcraft 3 Reforged, a disgrace, right? I, what, and, what, and what else have they done? Literally nothing. So I feel like Blizzard has been coasting on fumes for a while. World of Warcraft has been on fumes for a while. I think there's some argument that Dragonflight and now that Chris Metzen's back, that might be back on an upswing. But I just kind of feel like it, it just seems to me that both Activision and Blizzard did very little to innovate or do anything interesting or new during Kotick's reign. Because Kotick's number one thing is increased value for shareholders, right? That's his job as a CEO. And he's done that very well. Like by that metric, you can't fault the guy. But as, as, the, as the boss of a video game company, like has he made get has he made video games better did he make those companies better at making video games no they again i think like almost inarguably got worse across the board and you you could like you could do a, a chart of review scores or player sentiment or whatever but like they have it's just that activision used to be a great great company now it's just the call of duty company and blizzard used to i edited pc gamer in the 90s when blizzard was like a blue chip it was like every game that came out was an absolute banger now it and look at where blizzard's reputation is now like, it's, it went off a cliff, and I hope they get it back. I love Blizzard. I thought Diablo 4 was great. I hope that is the beginning of them turning a corner. And I think having better leadership, non-Kotic leadership, at the top now with Max Booty and, and Phil Spencer and all the rest of them, who I, I rate all of those guys. Those guys are worth a million Bobby Kotics to me. I think it will get better. I think there will be more of a focus on quality and originality and innovation. Phil's already said we're not just going to keep churning out Call of Duties every year. Because look at Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 3. People hated it. It doesn't work. Right, they're, they're, they're so out of ideas in that franchise, and we, and we see it now increasingly. Um, Vanguard, people hated it, right? Because they, oh, let's go back to World War II. Do you not have any other ideas? It's so boring. 
And I just, I just kind of feel like Activision is, again, I played Activision games like in the, in the 80s and 90s when Activision like was a great company. Like, one of the, like Atari used to mean something, now it doesn't mean so much anymore. Um, and I think a lot of that is down to the way that Kotick chose to prioritize what that company was about, which was just, you know, just keep hitting the money button. People like Call of Duty, just keep shitting out Call of Duty all day. But again, when I say to people other than Call of Duty, what have they really done? You really have to rack your brains to think of something else that Activision does other than just make Call of Duty games, because that's all they do now. It used to be, it used to be a, 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 a company that made like a wide a range of really interesting games and actually innovated. They haven't done that in a long time. I'm hopeful, to your question, that the new leadership, the new Microsoft leadership that will be replacing Kotick will get that company back on a creative track because it hasn't been for a very long time. Andrea, we talked about the ZeniMax deal and when that went through and how you balance bringing them in but also letting them stand alone and work on their own. How do you envision this with a number of kind of senior leadership at Activision leaving during this deal just shortly and then adding in new leadership, rising up from the bottom, coming up with new people? Do you think it will go well? Time will tell. It's a really complicated question because whenever you have an acquisition and merger of this size, there's always going to be redundancies, mm -hmm. right? And you can't have all of the people who were leading before all have their same level of autonomy that they had when they were in their respective divisions, right? So you have to have some kind of synergy in your org chart, right? Not to get like too like jargony, but it's a really delicate thing to try to figure out which of those leaders you want to keep on in what positions and who to bring up and who to maybe, you know, put on specific projects because those people, a lot of them have already been working at the company for a long time as well. Maybe their goals as professionals have changed. Maybe their leadership style has changed. Maybe what they want to do with the rest of their careers has changed. So like managing that, that is not an easy task. I think that it's exciting looking at some fresh talent, getting the opportunity to shine. And even if you look at Phil Spencer as the example, I mean, he's been at Microsoft for such a long time and he himself like put the time in and rose the ranks and now is obviously leading this team. And I think he's trying to do his best to inspire the people underneath him to do that to the people underneath them and have this like trickle down effect of like, let's all work together to make this company great and to do right by our players. But, I mean, it takes everybody working together at that vision. You can't just have somebody, even a leader at the top that has great vision. You have to have the people underneath executing it, right? And we're only going to start seeing how that's going to come together next year and beyond. Yeah, of course. It is going to be quite some time to see what really happens in this big picture of things. But we now have a firm date. Bobby Kotick is leaving the team December 29th. We'll get some new news. The other news, thing, by the way, we'll since we're forward. on this, the yeah. other thing I hope will change is don't forget, it's easy, for, easy to forget, but it wasn't that long ago that like the biggest headline in news was the toxic culture at Activision and Blizzard, right? And Kotick was deeply, that was all on his shoulders. Like we saw evidence that he swept that under the rug, that he enabled it, that like, all of that stuff was terrible. That was like a big, big story for a long time. Um, and, you know, again, we, we have short attention spans, so we moved on, but I, I doubt that's all been fixed. Again, again, I think there is a better chance that that will get addressed. Um, now that it's under new leadership, I honestly wouldn't be at all surprised. We'll never know this, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if we found out that Kotick going was a condition of the sale. So it feels like I'm not, I, I, I don't want him here. Like I'm not, I'm not going to deal with him and just get him out of the way. And Bobby, I'm sure would have been happy to take a multi-million dollar golden handshake, fuck off and go sit on a beach. That's the dream. I mean, there's not enough time for me to respond to everything Gary said in the last five mm -hmm. minutes alone. I mean, I, I wanted to bring up that Activision had this little game called Destiny that they launched. Destiny? That you you okay. might have heard about that was pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Destiny 2, also pretty great. Guess that doesn't matter, doesn't mean anything to, to Gary. Um, it, there's just too much to unpack on, into Gary's wild, wild take. Not wrong, not all wrong anyway, but like, there's a lot there. <laughs> I mean, yes, they, yeah, okay, they had one other hit, they, they did have one other, other hit game under Bobby Kotick's watch. I, again, I, I would still make the argument, that's not good enough. Like, a, a really good game publisher has a diverse portfolio of interesting games. They have... A correct, a correct, they don't have one yeah, game. But they have all the games. big publishers have stars in their portfolio. They have a, like a crown and jewel, by, And by right? the way, Destiny 2 now is in serious trouble. They just lay, lay off a shitload of people because no one's playing Destiny 2 anymore. So it's not like that franchise has been brilliantly managed. So, you well, know. That's a whole separate issue, right? But, like, I mean, Destiny came into being underneath Activision's, like, leadership and guidance and money. Yeah, and I, I, I would say that's more to the credit, more to Bungie's credit than Activision. Of course, but like they're they were underneath that umbrella. I mean, I feel like you can't make these sweeping, broad brushstroke statements and then start nitpicking only the parts that suit your arguments. But I, I no, I I, I I can do that, and I'm going to continue to do it right now. Okay, Gary. I'll ask you again. <laughs> Other than shitting out a Call of Duty game every year and having one big hit with Destiny, which is now floundering, what has Activision done in the last twenty years? I mean, a ton of games. They have lots of licensed IPs. They have a whole line of Transformers games that did very well. They had the Spider-Man IP for a while. They had several Spider-Man games that did well, to name two of the IPs that they worked on. I mean, obviously, we talked about Crash. Crash Bandicoot games, uh, of all of the varieties, the Legacy Crash, the remasters, and now, like, the Crash Rumble, also doing very well. That's just, that's just a handful. I mean, 20 years of Activision is a lot of history to go through. And I don't need to go through all of that because, Gary, you know, you're just, you're angry right now. And it's okay to have those feelings. I'm not angry. It's you're just, not? You, you asked me a question about the leadership of Activision. And, I, and my argument is that it's been very poor. Okay. I guess well, we're, we're hoping just gonna... that it gets better. We're going to take a moment <laughs> yes. to hear a word from our sponsors. <laughs> then we're coming back with more Xbox talk right after this. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. This time of year can be a lot. Having to figure out, am I getting a gift for this person? Am I not? Whether or not your family gives gifts during the holidays, you get to define how you give to yourself. And the holidays are a great time to do just that with therapy. You can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some mental and emotional peace. And it can give you the tools to find more balance in your life. So you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Some of my best friends use BetterHelp and love how helpful it can be for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself and it isn't just for those who've experienced your trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash kind of funny today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash kind of funny. Betterhelp.com slash kind of funny. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I have another fun way for you to engage with Xbox content because, of course, the goal always with Xbox is to hit the player wherever they're at. And now you can play Xbox games on your MetaQuest headset, and I've done it, and it's pretty wild. <laughs> I tried it. It's a pretty good time, everybody. So let's talk about the details that you need to know. Of course, you can download the Xbox Cloud Gaming app. It's playable on the MetaQuest 2, 3, and Pro headsets. Your controller Bluetooth into the headset, which is pretty rad. No wires required, which, of course, that's the best part about that headset is there's no wires required, which is a big one for me. But it's playable 
So it's very cool. You jump into the app, of course. You go onto the cloud servers. You got to wait sometimes because it's busy. But they give you two options. Of course, if you've been into the MetaQuest universe, you know that you kind of are welcomed into whatever themed home you want to be in. You can be in the cool, like, North Pole. You can be at a ski resort. You can be in the desert. Whatever. There's or you can do the own. mixed reality. Yes. You can have your own so living room. They give you two options. You can be in your own Xbox-themed room, which is very reminiscent of an Xbox E3 with Sarah Bond and uh, Phil Spencer. It's like a lot of silver, white, black, and green. Very cool. Or you could actually play it in AR with the mixed reality, like you brought up, Gary, where you can size up the screen however you want it, and you can still see the background of your room. You can walk around and see all that. Pretty rad. We'll say this. Cloud gaming is great. It's running well, but... When you play games like first-person shooters, like Halo in particular, that latency, the controller inputs are just not there yet. And yeah. I think also the headset, we talked about it, right, with cloud gaming. Being direct connected is one thing. We really have that strong, like, internet connection. When you are on a headset that has no wires and no direct connection, man, oh, man, did I feel that when I was playing Halo. Oh, it would just stop, and I would be five steps that way, and it would have to recalibrate and come back and bring me back into the game. Uh only downfall that pretty cool, novel, fun, not the best way to play, but a way to play. And I like that. Are there games that they have designed for the MetaQuest experience that you guys have tried? No, I think it's just whatever is available over the cloud. You can yes. now, it's just another way you can get it. It's I like don't a virtual it's, movie screen. Yeah, but yes, it's not like great exactly. on the Quest, like curated list. I mean, that would probably be a good idea, but like I, I tried it, I downloaded it, it's fun. Yeah. Um, the mixed reality thing is really just in general. It's so helpful to have that because you never, you don't feel as isolated from the world around you when you have a VR headset on. You have to worry about bumping into things because you can clearly see what's around you. And the MetaQuest 3 gives you a much better view of that. So like my preferred, it is fun to play in the ski lodge and stuff like that. But my preferred way to do these things now is in mixed reality where you can act, if someone walks in the room, I, I can see that. But I'm still looking at a massive screen. This is the best of both worlds. I tried it. I logged in, did the whole thing, booted up the, the literally the first tile, Force Horizon 5. Okay, let's see it. Oh, sorry, there's a 10-minute waiting list for this game. It's not good enough. And, and like you said, in a world where milliseconds matter, the, the, any, any latency is not good enough as well. So I believe it's just about infrastructure and architecture and the technology catching yeah. up with the, with the ideal. It will get there. It's still not quite yet there. Not quite there yet. But it's fun, and it's cool. It's the whole cloud gaming library. Just like you'd bring up on your phone or your browser, which they've really promoted and pushed, it is cool to be able to play games on the cloud it's novel having the headset on. I think we all can agree having a headset on for two to three hours or beyond, you are sweating. It is not yeah. the most comfortable as opposed yeah. to just looking at a normal television screen. But if we were all on the couch and I didn't have the TV at the time and I had my headset there readily available to play, it is cool that I can play my Xbox games. So it's interesting, but not, you would say, a reason to buy a MetaQuest. Like no, if you, you own a MetaQuest, like, it's a cool like, yes, feature the, to try. If you were to tell me, hey, I own a MetaQuest or I'm buying one for the family and friends, I'd be like, hey, if you got Game Pass, you can play those games on there. It is cool. It's fun. It's different, right? But if you're going out, I would tell you to buy the MetaQuest because it is the coolest virtual reality headset on the market yeah, without the wires. The best one. It's got mm -hmm. great games, right? And I really like the mixed reality, like Gary said. Like that headset is leaps and bounds better than even the two right now. And it's cool. I don't know if this is doable, even I imagine it is from a tech point of view, but whether or not it's like legally contractual or something that something that they would do. But like, for example, Steam Link works brilliantly now over the over the Quest 3. So if I want to play Half-Life Alex, which you know isn't on the Quest 3, but is on PC, and Steam Link hits my headset and it's a flawless experience if you've got good wi-fi it's brilliant right really 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 good um if there was some way to, to have a similar experience where there's like an app that is just basically turns it's like a playstation portal right but it's your headset 
So the game's running locally. You don't have to worry about latency or waiting lists. But the, the only latency is between the local hardware and the, and the headset. And that's generally much better. So I would like to see a way to kind of have your headset just be an additional device for the games that you're playing locally. Steam Link does it really, really well. Interesting. Like with like an Xbox Series X or with a PC? Or either? I mean, so I mean, with a with a PC, you can you can basically already do it. Um, with for an Xbox, presumably you would need some kind of dedicated um, app on one end or both for it to, you know, for them to talk to each other. Um, I'm sure some people have already figured out ways to like kind of hack it. But I would like to it'd be a, a really cool like official solution for it because it is cool. Like the, the the effect of seeing like you know the, the way that VR fills your whole vision. You can you can spend a lot of money on a 120 inch TV or you can basically create the illusion of one in a tiny little headset and because it, it really does work. I know that the, the, the cloud app that we're talking about has four different sizes of screen you go all the way up to XL. It's massive. Yeah. And it looks really, really good. And again, the, 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 the bottleneck is not the VR hardware. Anything to do that. It's just the, it's the cloud gaming bottleneck that's connected across to all servers. platforms. Yep. Of course. Um, Hitting the so blades. I would, I would like to see some kind of local solution to stream Xbox games into my headset. You been playing any VR in your, at all, Andrea Renee? You know, I have struggled a lot. I mean, we have the Quest 2 at home, so I've done a little bit in there, but I've struggled lately uh, with VR and nausea. Oh, yeah, it's tough. It's so tough. my um, wife had, Leah had that with the Quest 2. She said with the Quest 3, it went away entirely because they've done something mm. either to the frame rate or the field of view or some, something else to mitigate that. Um, and she said a lot of the issues that she had with feeling nauseated after a short period of playing Quest 3 seems to have fixed that. Yeah, they've made a lot of strides in frame rates, a big one um, for VR and motion sickness. Um, your pupil distance matters, mm -hmm. like the where it fits on your head in relation to your ears matters. And a lot of the early head VR headsets were designed for bigger male heads. They're like target demo. And so as a female with a relatively small head, um, I really struggled with a lot of the VR headsets, so. That's the other nice thing about the three is it's like, uh, just hardware adjustable a lot more. There's lots of different ways you can kind of like ratchet it in and out and up and down and angle it and get it like right, whatever your sweet spot is, you have better chance of finding it than with the Yeah, other. I'm always searching for that sweet spot. Yeah. I'm like trying to like push it harder onto right, my head. Right, I'm like, right. please get to where I'll give you the I number need. one you get, like, tip. like VR face? Yeah, oh, I always tip, have VR Get the Elite strap, which is the separate strap you can buy that has a little a ratchet, a little dial in oh, the back. And okay. you, you'll, you'll get like, like the PSVR 2 and the PSVR has? Yes. I, the yeah, has I think that. so. It's just like a little dial in the back and it like clicks and you ratchet it up and you can get it exactly where you want. And it will stay there. Like it won't come loose. Oh, okay. I'll look that up, Gary. I like that. Uh, guys, I want to talk about Xbox's 2023. Because it's the last episode of the year. We've had a, a good year at Xbox. You know, I try to say, great, Gary checked me. He said it was good, Mike. Let's, yeah, that was let's good, cool great. it a little bit, you know. I think they're on the right path. But let's talk about 2023 since it is the final episode. I want to have the fun, good, bad, and ugly part of the episode. I've given you guys a list of some good, some bad, some uglies that we can go through. And we'll start off with the goods because I love to keep it positive here on the Xcast. And I want to talk about some fun moments, some good moments that you liked in the Xbox world or even in the gaming world here for 2023, because sure. there's been a lot. And so as you guys take a look and you start to prepare, I know I was the one who prepared it all. So I'll start off first. I want to highlight a fun one. That's Age of Empires 2 and 4 coming the console. I know a lot of people probably didn't jump into this one. Maybe you're not a big RTS fan like I am, but I do have to give a major props to this team as someone who loved halo wars one and two on console with controller it is tough to bring the rts onto a proper console with the mm -hmm. gamepad 
but this team has done a really good job, and I wanted to give them their flowers. I wanted to highlight it one more time this year because what I thought with what they did with controller support, fantastic. The tutorials were great, right? Like jumping into a meaty game like Age of Empires 2 II and 4, a big lineage, a big franchise. It is kind of intimidating, but I think what they did with the tutorials to bring you on, to onboard you into the world and the game and the controls, fantastic and a really good job. And most importantly, the new villager resource system. I don't know if you guys played it a lot, but they took what essentially is the core of the RTS experience of making sure you're managing all of the resources and understanding what each role needs to do and how you play it out. I think they did a great job of saying, hey, we can dial that back. We can make it easier for people to be onboarded and kind of hone in that system to make it, oh, I want more wood. Oh, I want gold. I want food. How do I make it fast and simple? Fantastic job. So I got to give kudos, big kudos to Age of Empires 2 and 4 on console. Nice. Andrea Renee, give me a good. Give me a good. A good. I mean, yeah, there's you have a lot of good ones um, listed here, but... I feel like the one that I'm going to pick, and I was looking up one of the announcements that they also made that I was trying to get the exact name of this program that they announced. Um, if you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's see here. Hmm. Oh my gosh, I don't know. Oh, Hi-Fi Rush, I guess. Hi-Fi Rush, mean, so yeah. What was really cool about this announcement for this game is that you know people clearly knew Tango as a you know obviously a developer underneath Bethesda, mm -hmm. underneath Microsoft Game Studios, as the people who were doing the Evil Within, right? And they obviously came from a different kind of legacy. And then out of the blue, just like. Beyonce dropped this game <laughs> yep. and it was incredible and something so different than the last title that they had put out and different than Ghostwire Tokyo, the other game that they were working on and had released. And I was just so charmed by this game. Obviously, I've, I already said on this show, I'm a fan of rhythm and music games. The way they incorporated music and rhythm into this game, making the world come alive with the beat and having everything synchronized to the same beat, everything in the world kind of moving together, really interesting combat design incorporating the beat as well. Things that, you know, we've seen be done in different ways, but nothing quite like this. And then this really cool art style, yes. kind of like a mashup yeah, of a like a comic game. book and cell shaded art style. Just a really fun game that I highly recommend people check out if you missed it when it came out earlier. I this wish year. more games were this colorful. Yeah, oh. you know, it's, it's, games are often so drab, yeah. you know. And I like one of the things I liked about that marathon trailer that Bungie put out this year was like, look, colorful and bright. And the same with the finals, right? Bright colors. I know that's not as fashionable as it used to be, but like, the, the, I, I like really bright, colorful games. And you're right, the art style is beautiful on this game. Yeah, this one got people got that 
evoked that emotion of Sunset Overdrive back in the Xbox mm -hmm. One yeah. era of feeling that color, that pop, the combat. And like you said, the Jet beats, radio, of course, you know. 808 constantly keeping the beat for you if you can't catch it like I can't. The combat was fun. It was frustrating at times, but the accessibility and what they did with difficulty scaling and how they evolved that over time. I mean, nominated for numerous awards at the TGAs. This is probably... I might say the biggest highlight of Xbox's 2023 is yeah, this game probably. right here. And I think that says as much about the rest of the, the rest of 2023 as it does Hi-Fi Rush. But like, as I'm looking at it now and remembering how much fun I had playing this, um, I kind of feel like in a more just world, this, this would have been a bigger hit, a bigger deal. We'd be talking about it more, don't you think? Yeah, it's, I think it lets us kind of ponder the pros and cons of kind of surprise dropping a game. Yeah. Right? It's like, yeah. do you benefit from having a full game available and taking advantage of a one big pop PR and marketing moment? Or is it better to have a sustained longer marketing campaign? Yeah. I mean, I think there's pros and cons of both. It's going to really depend on what the project is and the scope of the project. But it's like, would this game have done better if they had had a preview where we could like get the information out and people could see it and maybe put it on their wish list or whatever, and then have people see it multiple times. And then when it finally launched, be like, oh, I remember hearing about that game versus, oh, I don't know anything about this game. I maybe missed the one episode that, yeah, of you course. Know, yeah, it was, whatever, it was fun right? when it kind of came out of nowhere, but I don't know necessarily what like the marketing wisdom behind that is. Like maybe you do miss something by not hyping it up more prior to release. Yeah, and of course this did come out at the end of January. So mm -hmm. at the beginning of the year, it has been a packed, stacked year, right? And so that's the other thing. It's just game pundits and people have kept it in the limelight, have talked about it a lot, but in a year that is so jam-packed, it is easy to forget what you were playing in January, February, March at the beginning of the year compared to right now, right? September, October, November, probably hotter on the tongue when you think about the games you've been playing. Yep. Gary, give me a good. I'm going to go with, okay, so to one of the two hardware boxes that I wanted checked from Microsoft this year got done, which was they finally put a decent amount of storage in the Series S. And they yes. finally made the Series S like a properly viable I've said it before. I've got to get off social media, man, for one thing. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm no longer on the Hitler fan site, as you know, but like, I still get into trouble on threads and some of the other places. Somebody was popping, going off on the Series S the other day saying it's not a good console. Who are these people? Where are they getting their it's opinions? It's a bad take. It's, I, I, I've said it before. It's the best console for most people. Mm -hmm. And we, I, I think it's easier for us, to, easy for us to often to remember that we live in a bubble. We're all hardcore enthusiasts, right? Things like 4K and frame rate and mean something to us and the people around us because we're like really, really into games. Most people don't care. The average gamer does not care about a lot of that stuff. They just want a system that's cool. Why do you think the Switch is so successful? Exactly. The, like, like the, poor, the poor performance of that machine relative to other consoles has not held its back at all because most people don't Technical care. They just want a, a, a machine that's reasonably priced and has lots of good games on it mm -hmm. and is fun to play. And Switch does that, Xbox Series S does that. By the way, I don't know if you've noticed, there's some mad deals, holiday deals going on right now. The Series S. You can go to Costco and get like a Series S with a bundle of stuff for like 150 bucks. Mad. Gotta jump on that. Gotta jump on that if you see that deal. But That's the same number. But the storage space was just terrible. And there was obviously, because of the way they've chosen to do it, there's no way to upgrade it. That's By the time you add the extra memory, you may as well just get a Series X at that point because it's so expensive to add storage to it. Um, but the one terabyte, the black series S I think was one really important step. Then the one that I want next, and I've said it before is I want the digital series X. I have no need for a disc drive. I don't know how many, I think there are still plenty of people that do care about games on disc. I personally don't. And I want to have that option. Sony gives it to us. They're 
that PS5 is available in digital and with a disc for the people that I, I paid a hundred dollars extra for a disc drive that I'm never going to use. Well, mm. now that they make you install the game, I, when that, I had that experience, I was like, okay, I was a hardcore, like physical media person for a long time, but I got the Mortal Kombat one disc for Xbox and I had to wait to play my disc game until it installed. And I was like, why? Yeah. This what is, are we doing this here? Is, defeats the whole purpose of the disc. Is it even still hitting the disc when you're playing the game or does it just dump everything from the disc onto the hard drive? Well, it dumps it onto the hard drive as long as I'm locked in or, or logged in. I actually haven't tried playing it without the disc in. Because, oh, it's going to ask for the because disc, Because it turns sure. out like I don't have any other discs right now. So I, yeah, that just sits disc in there. just sits in there forever. Right. That's but, how I was with my PlayStation 4, I think. I think, that, I think like... Um, Uncharted, one of the Uncharted games, whatever the most recent one was just in there the whole time and I never put anything else in. Everything else was digital. You know, mm -hmm. talking about hardware and elevating that, you talk about the Xbox Series S one terabyte. We also finally got a new expansion card set from a different company, right? And that was the big one of, hey, the Seagate partnership is awesome and rad and the expansion cards are cool, but man, they're way too expensive. expensive. Yeah. Of course, Team Xbox said, hey, we're going to open that up. We're going to allow others. And I believe it was WD Western Digital that did come in with the newest one. Still a little bit on the pricey side, so we are hoping for some more competition well, there. Price tag has come down, of but course. it's still—I mean, it's still, still really fancy, cool wizard tech, <laughs> God, right? It's like, so cool. So, like, it's expensive, of course. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see in a year, two years from now. Are there more companies that does do this? Do they all jump on? When will it start to go down significantly? Where you really feel like one terabyte, two terabytes, five terabytes is a good purchase that isn't something where it's really going to bust the bank because it's, it's, right now it's busting I kind of I, I used to feel like we're always going to be like feeling that we're maxed out on this stuff because even as memory prices come down and storage prices come down and with the next maybe the PS6 and whatever the next Xbox is has four terabytes of but the games are going to get bigger as well like as the as the space gets bigger the games are going to take up more space as well as look look at the install size of like a Call of Duty game these days what is it like like you can buy 150 gigs. Yeah, you yeah. put that. You can put that on a on, on a Series S and virtually nothing else at this point. And so I think we're always going to be in this arms race between the amount of storage space we have and how much space the games, of course, take up. Mm -hmm. uh, one good for both of you that I'm going to highlight is Xbox's live service games. I think are really coming into their own. This is a hot button topic that we talk about: live service games as a service, right? Like there are some signing stars. There are some flops, right? But Xbox has stayed committed to a number of their games. And I think they've really found their footing, right? We talk about Sea of Thieves. Now Sea of Thieves has Monkey Island content, which was a ton of fun. We got to highlight that over the air. They now have Safer Seas that they just dropped this month, where if you and your friends don't want to have the PvP element to it all, you can now jump into a safe realm, your own world, and play that. I think that is rad. And that game continues to shine with their content. Grounded continues to find its footing a small passion project now is something bigger than itself it now has also very similar to halo adding forge as well now communities can build stuff in the make it and break it update i think that's super cool like their live service games are doing very well to much better right halo is now finally making a turn with season five and beyond i love what that's at right now you can look at of course elder scrolls online continues to get a bunch of updates Fallout 76 still is somehow alive five years later after that awful launch. They just announced that they hit 17 million players. They've added more DLC, more content, more areas to see like, hey, they're doing it right. And that is a tough space to like do it in. And it is interesting of like we talk about the ecosystem and the landscape of gaming. PlayStation 
fans now are kind of hot and cold on the idea of like, hey, what if we got more into live service games? And you look at Xbox here with Team Green, they've done that in the past, and we've gone through the trials and tribulation of that sucks. This is good. Hey, it's a long time to get to where we're at. Sea of Thieves is probably five plus years old as well right now. Like, takes time to get these games really going and get the motor fired up, but shout out to those games. I think they're doing well. Yeah, I think the key to the success in these live service games is crafting the game to be a live service game from the beginning. Yes. Right? I think we've seen some missteps in other major publishers who are taking established IPs in established genres and trying to modify them or shoehorn them into a live service model that doesn't fit the player base, that doesn't fit the style of the IP, it doesn't fit the desires of the longtime supporters of those franchises. And, you know, that's why you kind of have some big flops, right? But a game like Grounded was built to be a live service game. Same with Sea of Thieves. It was built to be that way. And it's really great to see that Xbox as a studio said, hey, we want to keep supporting these because we know that live service has ebbs and flows, right? Like you'll have like really big pop moments where a bunch of people come back and play and then you'll have quiet moments. And just because it's quiet now doesn't mean that those players are gone forever, we want to keep financially supporting these teams through their creative vision to bring a more robust player back, uh, player base back time and time again. Yeah, I'm very pleased. Then you said it so well there, Andrew. You have to take the good with the bad, and it's a long road here. And I think we've learned it with Halo in particular of like, got to have a game plan, right? Like, this isn't just a all of a sudden we're doing this. You got to have content, you got to have a roadmap, and you got to kind of stick to it. But uh, things are looking good for live service games on Xbox. It wasn't, that long, it wasn't like that long ago, Mike, that. Um game like live service game or games as a service like that was a dirty word right people didn't want to hear it mm-hmm. because like anthem remember that was a big disaster and there was been a bunch of really high profile failures and there was i think a sense and a, a, a kind of a, a lot of players were allergic to the idea that that's this is where games were going that games weren't just games anymore now they, they were they were these big like online service things with all the you know microtransactions and complications that you know need to be online and all that stuff i never thought there's anything wrong with the idea in principle i think it's really cool you know I love I love World of Warcraft. Um, the the Division and Division Two are probably among my favorite top ten favorite games of the last several years. They're life service games, but they got it. The, the key is they got it right. So like anything, if you don't get it right, it's not going to be good. And I think it's and with the additional problem that if you don't get it right, the game goes away. Right? It's not like people get to keep you can still having the experience. Like, well, you know, they, they screwed it up, but I'll always have this game. You won't. Like it'll be taken away. They'll they'll shut the servers down, or it'll become so barren that there's really nothing there anymore we saw it with anthem we've seen it with 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 many others um and so when they get it right i think there's a there's huge amounts of potential for games as a service and i think as we yeah we hopefully continue to learn from not just the successes in the, the genre but the failures and each new iteration gets better and i think we will get to a point where uh, the idea of a game as the games a, a, as a service or a live service game won't have that stigma anymore because we'll have gotten good enough at it that there'll be a higher success rate in that genre. Andrea, give me another good. Uh, I found the program, the ID at Xbox Developer Acceleration Program that they announced at GDC, the Game Developers Conference earlier this year. I loved that they made this announcement. I think it's such an important thing that they are putting their their money and their resources into. Um, For people who missed that announcement, just like I pulled the blurb from the Xbox Wire press release, it says, The program aims to empower underrepresented creators with the resources and information needed to bring their creativity, innovation, and originality to Xbox. And my 
friend Annette Porter was on stage doing that announcement uh, when Xbox unveiled it, and I got to talk to her afterwards because I had the pleasure of working with Xbox at GDC this year uh, for one of their panels, and she said that they were just like flooded with interest from yeah. developers from around the world who wanted to be part of this accelerator program, and I thought that that was such a cool highlight for them. Oh, yeah. ID at Xbox continuing to kill it and empower voices that might not be heard, don't have the funding, don't have those privileges or maybe the tech to be able to say, hey, we're here to help you because we want more games on our platform. We want to highlight those awesome indie games. We saw that back in the day of Xbox Live Arcade and what that did for indie games and putting them on the map in front of me, the gamer who doesn't know oh, everything that going. You used to have the weekly yeah. drops uh -huh. in the summer. And, oh, that's you know, old school. ID at Xbox continues to do that. So good highlight right there, yeah. Andrew. I think Chris Charler and the whole team yes. over there continue to kind of just quietly do some of the most valuable work in the games industry in supporting, like you said, underrepresented developers, help fostering innovation, bringing really in helping like surface really interesting indie games and, 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 you know, ideas other companies might be too afraid of to take a risk on. I, th I think it's still one of the areas where Xbox is better than PlayStation. I say Xbox, I think has always historically always had and can just to have, better indies. PlayStation indies have gotten a lot better, but like if you, are, if you said to me, um, should I get an Xbox or a PlayStation? I never, I never give a straight answer. I said, well, okay, well, what do you want to do with it? Like, cause it's not as simple as that. And they, if you said to me, oh, but I love indie games, I say get an Xbox. Cause I, it, it's, it, they, they continue to be better at it, I think. Give me a good, Gary. A good? Give me another good. We're having some fun with the goods. I like parking the bus on the goods. I like, yeah, I like you know, keep that. it positive. Parking the bus on the goods is a good place I to end the year. I love parking the bus keep on the goods. Keep it positive and let's keep the, the negatives the to a minimum. under the bridge already. We might just let them wash away. Is right, Andrew. I might not look back. Diablo 4, another game that I, I, would, I would actually put. Overall, I would put that in the, in the good category. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do Diablo 4, but I'll, I'll, add, I'll add a caveat as well. It's just kind of a bookend to our previous conversation that was my most played game this year i think if you look at my i i didn't go look at the hours but i'm quite certain that if you look at like my hours put in various games this year diablo 4 by far and away like i play and i played a, a ton of the season one content as well uh and that's a, that's a good example of it. again that's a life service game right and i had a ton of fun playing it. it was the first diablo game i ever really got into i was like really it was one of those games where i'd wake up in the morning get up early in the morning before the kids are up to get an hour in, right? So I could play. It's like, That's I've got, commitment. Yeah, it's, it's like it's one of those games that when you're not playing it, you're thinking about playing it. Those, those are always the best kind of games. And Diablo 4 was that for me during that whole launch window. But again, this is the challenge of live service games. You never really get to stop making them, right? You have, you have to not just hit a quality level on release, but you've got to keep players engaged. And it's like you were talking about with Dreamlight Valley. There's like, you know, you've got the min-maxes at one end and the more casuals at the other. And how can you possibly give players one experience mm -hmm. that... Can, that can satisfy such a wide spectrum of people wanting different things out of the game. And, we, and I think Diablo 4 is a really, really interesting game to post-mortem in terms of a brilliant launch. They absolutely cracked it at launch. Everyone's going, oh my God, Blizzard's back. This is the best Diablo game in ages. A really, and it is a really, really great game. And it's so polished. All the things that historically we expect from Blizzard, right? Like they get all the details right, really high polish. Just looks and sounds beautiful. High production values, really fun to play. It did, it did all of those things. It really did feel like old, old Blizzard. But then as they got into season one and they started patching it, they started to really piss off players with some of the decisions they made. And suddenly the Diablo, like the honeymoon period was over. And then the vibes were so off and continue to be off, Frank. I haven't gone back to Diablo 4 because they pissed off so many people. I think there's DLC coming and they'll find a way to get it back onto an even keel. But that's the fascinating thing about live service games, right? They have, it's always like, you know, peaks and valleys. Like, oh, the vibes are on, then they're off, then they're back again with the new update. We, we see it all the time. And it's just, it's interesting to, to, to 
monitor like the life cycle of a, of a game like this. Like I say, you always are constantly trying to stay ahead of your... I, I, God, I would not want to work on a live service game, but work on like an expansion pack or whatever for like nine months, put it out, and the min-maxers are back to you the next day. Crack that, what else you got? <laughs> it's like, Jesus, how do you stay ahead of these people? That's what's so tough about the balance act, and I think clearly Blizzard, you know, is in that challenge right oh, yeah. now because they tried to bring down some of the people who were like power playing right. the game to say, hey, like the game wasn't designed for you to like grind through it this quickly, this fast. So we have to like, you know, nerf a bunch of things. And the people who are like the mid to casual players were like, hey, now you've made the game really unfun to play. Yeah. And that is a consistent challenge for life. And, I have, I, have, and I have sympathy for them because it is hard to get right. And there's no one right answer, right? Why would the, the, if the porridge is just right for someone else, if mm -hmm. it's for someone, it's going to be too hot for someone else and too cold for another person. Because yeah. again, there's such a wide range of people. I will say that the one thing that you will guarantee to piss off players is when you nerf them. And that was, that, was, that was when it started to go wrong for Diablo 4, is they did a big patch right before season one where they did some hard, they really nerfed certain classes, especially sorcerers, which I play. Same. Man, people were so pissed off about that. Of course. Yeah, like, well, like, I, I don't know a lot about game design, but I would say one thing is like, if you can avoid it, do anything except nerf your yeah. players because they fucking hate it. Well, Greggy is back at his desk playing a lot of Diablo. I saw that so he's playing he is it, yeah. hot on Diablo again. Maybe this holiday break, Gary, you turn it on, see if he vibes. I'm with definitely it, coming back, back to the uh, the seasonal content has not been working for me. I haven't tried yeah. this new season yet, but I will come back for the the big DLC uh, expansion that's coming later next year. I'll definitely play that. I am having so much fun highlighting the goods, and I have a lot more goods. So let's keep the goods yeah. going because I got fun to talk about. I want to highlight. Xbox and their third-party partnerships because they continue to be great. They continue to sing. We saw the addition of Ubisoft Plus now on the platform. If you want to get into that subscription service, I have continued to scream from the rooftop that I love Xbox Game Pass and EA Play, giving you 10 free hours of EA games if you want to give them a try before you buy. And, of course, they've been added on to the service a couple months after launch, so you get your Maddens, you get your FIFAs in the Game Pass subscription I love that, and I cannot get enough of it when they teamed up with Riots to give me, of course, all of the League of Legends characters, give me all of the agents in Valorant. It's like these are special things that help saving me money because we do know that we've seen a price increase, right? We've started to see Game Pass now trending up, console sales are trending up, and we'll see where we land after the Xbox Activision Blizzard deal of like, hey, what does Game Pass finally land on here in the next one year, two years, five years? Because it does seem like it will be tracking upward if I had to make a pretty educated guess here, I'm sure. But everything is. My other one I want to give a shout out to is their partnership with the MLB and MLB <laughs> The Show over on the Sony side. MLB The Show is a very special sports game. It is an incredible baseball sim. It is awesome to get a true baseball sim finally on the Xbox side after years of not having one. This is something really cool. And what the team did over at Sony with or Sony San Diego with MLB The Show 2023. Really awesome. Must play. I remember play. when that happened. That was so weird. I think everyone was like, what's happening here? Yes. Isn't MLB The Show a exclusive PlayStation produced first party game? And, and MLB is like, no, nah, we negotiated this oh. deal. And everyone's like, eh, uh -huh. I would love to have been a fly on the wall. Well, you know, and MLB was so right for that, right? <laughs> this is a this is America's pastime, but it also is the most unfun to watch, probably the most quickly dying sport out of all the sports that your kids could get involved in and like us being excited to watch. And MLB needs to find a way to 
adapt and be a part of the youth and get them excited. And the only way to do that is to put it in video games and get more people playing. And I think it is right to have a sport like that, a major sport, be on every platform, right? And, I mean, Xbox players win in this situation of it's on Game Pass. That's crazy that I don't have to spend 60 to $70 on this game. And it is a high-quality video game. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So, hey, keep working those deals, y'all. Y'all killing it. Do you really think baseball's dying? I, I do think so. This- I think in terms of the numbers, it is, yeah. I think yeah. popularity is I mean, really, we see really the down. deal, yes. The Shohei Otani deal and beyond. Say. I think the pay is amazing. I think the sport is fun, but I think when we talk about watching the sport, especially here in the Bay, right, you're looking at the Oakland A's, barely pulling in thousands of people to yeah. watch them, right? And that's also on the owner and the team, which is kind of bad. But, like, I think kids right now, you see LeBron James and Steph Curry in a flashy, quick-moving sport of basketball, right? You look at soccer, which is a world-global phenomenon with people like Messi on your television screen. You see that and you go, I want to play that, mom and dad, as opposed to baseball where it is tough, right? They have to shorten the pitch count to keep people awake and engaged with the product. Uh, I do think that baseball needs a shot in the arm. It's tough, right? It is America's pastime and it has a long lineage, but... It is tough to look at kids and be like, yo, baseball? I mean, listen, I called it boring in the hope mystery. Yeah, so. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to get your take. No, no, <laughs> I, yeah. I hesitate to wander into territory that I know less about. Sports is certainly one of them. I do remember reading something about how like attendances are down and TV numbers are down. And it wouldn't surprise me if it is because, to Mike's point, baseball is a very slow and boring game. Like, If you really love baseball, then... There's Barrett, a lot there we for see you. you. It can get exciting. Barrett's it's a baseball not universally guy. boring, but there are guy. long stretches when but baseball in a, is. In an era yeah. now in which we've seen, like, you know, <laughs> attention spans, like, kids got, kids won't watch anything more than 10, like, 10 minutes. What are you kidding me? See, that's I, the thing. Got time like for that. We've, we've failed our future generations Correct. already. I mean, because, you're not wrong about that. The attention yeah. span thing, we got to yeah. reverse somehow. Oh, yeah. it, it, to the point where, like, we've added a timer to uh, count down when the pitcher has to, like, do his next pitch which has ruined the mental chess game that the pitcher and the batter chess are game. doing right now. And, it, and it's ruined the sport because yeah. we need the kids constantly fucking moving and, and I, paying and I, attention and, and jingling the keys. And as someone who's already yes. a baseball enthusiast, I get that. But like, if you're looking to attract new fans and young fans, the game is just deathly slow to watch mm-hmm. compared to what you, the point you just made, Mike, about basketball and soccer, um, where, the ball, where the ball is constantly in motion, right? And there's always something happening. That, to me, is like better attuned to where young audiences are, where they just want to see, they want to see movement and like fast action and baseball is just a lot, literally standing around scratching your ass, right? That's not that exciting. I'm going to bring up the suggestion as a, as a joke, so don't come after me. Do we bring steroids back, Mikey? Make bring it back, exciting <laughs> like it bring was back nice. the roids. Juice them up, Barrett. Juice them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, MLB The Show and Sony San Diego, what they did with that, especially also highlighting history in baseball, right? They added the Negro League and the stories for you to yeah, that understand. that was cool who Satchel Paige is, right? Jackie Robinson, like, these are beautiful stories that they added into the game to try to get you to understand, right? And we've seen that as well with NBA 2K, with MJ and Kobe moments. Football has done it. Like, they're special moments. So that team, great job. Andrew, give me another good because we're having fun. Oh, another good. Give me another good. Another Keep the good. Good. Mm, well, you guys kind of took some of my good ones. Um, I mean, I'm going to say, I'll just point to the to the Xbox showcase this summer okay i feel like xbox's showcase made it feel like e3 again nice and now that yeah. e3 is permanently gone i i really love that they did this big in-person event i had the pleasure of being inside the theater at the novo when they 
you know, put on their big broadcast and there was like a thousand people in that room. It reminded me of all of the many years of press conferences and just being in a room with so many people who were just excited to see whatever they were showing. And then starting with that awesome fable trailer, it just reminded me that these showcases, these big tentpole events are so much work from so many people across so many teams. And I am always in awe of the amount of coordination and like, clearly everyone's going to like armchair quarterback, how they did. Was it good? We give them their scores and their grades. Was it shit announcements or was it, you know, like banger announcements, you know, the, the Tim Gettys get hype Gatorade moments. Right. Um, and I think that that showcase this summer back in June really just like brought in that inspiration for me to be like, oh yeah, this feels like the kind of thing that I know and love. Yeah. I don't leave, but I want to say goodbye. Oh, oh that's great. That's Greg so Miller saying goodbye. It's a pleasure having you here. <laughs> yeah, see you, Greg. <laughs> we didn't catch that. What, uh, what was said? <laughs> he loves Gary. That's what he said. He said, oh, love okay, you, Gary. Okay. Uh, I totally agree, Andrew. And I think that was really highlighted as well with that Starfield Direct afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. Having the two mega, like, showcases together was special. And we are in this weird age now of, like, Everybody's doing their own, and we're not E3 anymore, but we're Jeff Keeley's Summer Game Fest, so you got to tune in for the week, but the week is also a month. No, it's three months. No, you know what? He says it's the whole year. It doesn't matter, right? It's a weird thing, but Xbox did do a good job this summer, and I wanted to highlight that as well. It's like the Xbox communications team has done very well. They have kind of figured out who are we nowadays, right? How do we get the message out properly? Because we also saw the Xbox underscore or developer underscore direct at the beginning of the year, which I thought was very cool. I wish we did another one. I'm surprised that we didn't have more of those, right? Of, hey, let's go to the studios. Let's have them tell you about their games. Let's make a 20-minute video and put it out there. It is interesting. We only did one by my count, right? But I think they're trending in the right direction of 2023 and beyond. Hey, this is where we hit the messaging, right? Summer Games Fest will be there with something big. Hey, we, we really kicked butt at the Game Awards. What if we did two to three of these developer underscore directs in the middle. There's also the ID at Xbox Indie Showcase. They do those when they team up with other ones. So that team is getting much better. And I think Tina and the crew have a, a, a fun job ahead of them. I've got a good for you. It's not to on the list. Good. But I think we should take a moment to give Phil his flowers. Oh, okay, yes, okay. 100%. Let's give him some flowers. I think Phil, and you know, and you can call me an ass kisser or whatever. I think Phil is... is terrific and a very rare breed in this day and age. And it, it's, I think Phil is someone who, I didn't really think about this, so I'm just going to go all over the place, but like Phil strikes me as someone who actually cares about making good games and delighting players with the things that they make in a way that you don't typically see from like the Bobby Kotick's and the Strauss Zelnick's and the Jim Ryan's of the world. They don't, they are very competent, savvy businessmen who know how to make their companies make money. If they can do that by making games that delight players, they will. But if they can do it another, if they do it more efficiently another way, they'll do that instead. I just always get the impression that Phil actually fucking plays the games, understands them, is one of us in a way that many, many, most people, I would say, at his level in the games industry are not. Did and you see his Xbox recap? He had played over 900 hours in his recap. He plays a lot of shit. Yeah, Where does absolutely. he get all these hours? He's God amazing. Knows. Too God much knows. hours. Um, but like, and, and also just, I mean, just this year, I mean, like he, the thing is, it's not, I think in the most part, and my, one of the reasons why I'm optimistic about the future of Xbox is the people running it. And I think they have a very clear vision that they're dedicated to executing. And I think Xbox's best days 
are ahead of them. I'm very optimistic about the future of Xbox. On the other side, though, again, this is the, I always have a lot of respect for people that deal well with failure. As you know, I've talked about failure a lot over the years because I've experienced a lot of it. I think nothing builds and reveals character more than failure. And there was a big failure this year. Redfall landed on its ass, and it was an embarrassment for Xbox. Phil came on here and talked very candidly and took the L, right? He took it head on and in a way that a lot of people would have found a way to dodge that or let the PR people handle it. I have a lot of respect for Phil, the way he handles his business in good times and bad. That's it. I like that. I, I like what Phil is doing. I like how he's implementing a new leadership team and really bringing in an inclusive feel of like, hey, here's some faces here, and we're going to do something different. I'm all about that. And I look forward to seeing... Is his time up? When will he be out? When will the next generation come? It's so fun when we talk about these, right? We talk about the now, but also the future, but the future's five years, 10 years down the road. I don't know where I'll be. I don't know where they'll be. Who knows where we stand, right? Will Xbox even still be around? You never know, right? But we only hope that it only continues to get better. I have another fun one. I got a couple fun ones. I got a fun one. I got a fun one, Andrew. You want to get weird with me? Let's get weird of right now. Of course I Because I do. think the audience is going to get uptight. I got a good not going to be those fucking starfield bed sheets is it halo season two is trending in a better to good direction of course we saw the first look trailer over at the brazilian comic-con just recently we got our first reveal poster and of course master chief doesn't have his helmet on we're past that now we're putting that aside but it looks like they're going to do the fall of reach which I think a lot of people wanted to see out of that first season. That is the iconic storyline. That got me into Halo. Right? And like, that's what we wanted. And if you watch the trailer, if you see it, it looks like we're going to do the fall of Reach and then we'll start moving towards what Halo players know and love about the world. And I think that is something that is a good for me, right? Someone that I liked that first episode of Halo. I didn't love the whole season. I didn't like what they did with Master Chief. But I think that team, well deservedly so, got a season two. I think they heard the fans, and I think they will be better this season. I think when you have a storyline like the Fall of Reach, I think you're playing to the home court advantage. It's probably going to be a little bit easier. What will Master Chief, you know, be having sex? I don't know, but at least we'll have fun. I think, what would, I think so the Last of Us has shown don't abandon your source material. Yes, <laughs> and your fans will eat it with a spoon. Uh huh. Okay, that's all so we like, want. How about you know? I don't want to be like. Just do the thing you know, because I think the creatives deserve the ability to grow and explore other storylines that we maybe haven't seen in the games that have been waiting in the wings to like come to light. But at the same time, like completely jumping the shark in the first season <laughs> is a strong choice. Yes. I think Last of Us is a tremendous show, and I'm so glad. As someone who works in this business, I can tell you that it has almost single-handedly changed the game in terms of the way that Hollywood views video game adaptations. The idea that you can actually get prestige film and television out of these games, where it used to be like, oh, video game movies, there, yeah. like that's completely changed. Um, and so we should all be grateful uh, to the show for that. I do think that it had the luxury of inheriting much, the TV show had the luxury of inheriting far better narrative material than the Halo people did, right? There's no question that the, story, the storytelling was better than the Halo storytelling that they could build something out of. Just in, just in the fact that there was one clear, obvious story they were going to adapt as opposed to a whole universe of stories and you have to try and like figure out what you're going to do within this big you know, sandbox of stuff. Um, what was it about the season two trailer that made you, that like makes you think they're doing Reach? Was there something like very clear? Oh yeah, you'll see it. It's clear as day they're doing Reach, right? They're going to start glassing the planet. Right. It's definitely like, this is Reach. Arbiter's coming, so it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a real cool episode. We'll see. You know, we just got to, if you're a Halo fan like me, 
you know, he's going to take the helmet off. You just got to get away from that, Mike, and you got to stop worrying about surprised. the helmet. That was always going to happen. Well, I don't know Pablo, he's a good-looking dude. You got to do it. But, like, Chief doesn't take off the helmet. Chief is the helmet. Until he has he's... to appear on television. <laughs> until, yeah, until he's got to be on and television. You get the notes and the network. With him. It's hard to do a TV series if you can't connect with a face. Exactly. You know what I mean? Isn't that the truth, Andrea? Is right. We learned that one the hard way, and I've grown. And so I'm going to give a good to Halo Season 2. We'll learn about that very soon because, surprisingly, that, like, drops, like, next month or that month after. So we will be watching that very, very soon. Uh, as we start to ramp down the show, let's go around one more good. Uh, we've avoided the bad and the ugly. Guess what? It was a good year. It was a fun Are we just year. not going to do bad and ugly? Uh, no. I mean, I'm fine with just highlighting the positives yeah, let's of all the year. Yeah, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Yeah. There's an unfortunate you could do, but no bads. Unfortunate okay. is fine. Oh, Andrea, yeah. give I me one more good. What, I have to. I was. I was going to look at what you wrote down. What do you got? One. We have a couple of good oh, ones. Oh well, I mean, that's that was. I mean, that was never going to happen. That there's too many like red, red, too much red tape. Um, um. So let's see another good. A surprise for me. A game that I probably would have overlooked and not played were it not in Game Pass. Cocoon. Boom. Great one. That's a good call right that there. That game was. I kept hearing from people. They're like, it's so good. You got to play. But you hear about these darling indie games, you know, pretty often because there's a lot of really cool stuff being made by a lot of cool teams. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to, like, check it out and see what it looks like. And I, I mean, I couldn't get enough. It was just, like, such great, tight, succinct gameplay. The art style was super cool. Like, it just felt so accessible with only, like, a single button press. Like, the gameplay design is something that you don't see very often. It just felt really clever and well done, but also simple. Yeah. And I think that simplicity makes it shine. Yeah, that's a great one right there. And I was going to highlight that as well as the Game Pass offerings, right? I think Xbox has found a terrific cadence of, hey, every single month at the beginning and middle, we're going to announce what's coming to the service. We're going to make sure you know what's leaving the service. And that team has done a fantastic job working with not only the first-party studios, which we know was a very pleasant surprise of getting first-party games under this subscription service, but driving it with indies and third-party games, right? Like, there's a lot of third-party deals that go down that really elevate this service. And in a year where first-party has been lacking, right, third-party has picked it up and Game Pass deals have picked it up. I mean, you're getting Remnant 1 and 2 right after its release of Remnant 2. You get Party Animals Day 1, Payday 3 Day 1. You get Gotham Knights over on PC where it was actually running 60 frames per second. You get Lies of P. Like, you could go down the whole year... It is amazing that every single month there is something that is powerful and something you probably would have spent $60 on. And then there's other highlights that are like, oh, I never would have played that game, but now I'm going to check out Sea of Stars because of that. Like, I guess the, that the, team the is positive great. for Gotham Knights is that it did help people not actually have to pay for that game. So <laughs> yes, there, it is, there it is, Barrett. And I mean, games like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Exoprimal. These are games that maybe might not come off as super popular or is a $60 price tag where it requires four to three people. And it's tough for me to be like, yo, Andrea, you know what game we're going to play tomorrow? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And you're like, Mike, I don't like that. I don't know what that is. But I need you to spend $60 because you're my friend and we got to play it together. Games like that benefit so much from Game Pass, right? Because mm -hmm. then we drop the, hey, you got to pay $60. It's let's just jump in and try it and play. And maybe it finds legs. Maybe the microtransactions help carry that like miss of we didn't spend $60 on it. Of course, Game Pass, Microsoft, they're giving you money as well to the developers. So 
The third-party deals are such a big win, and it is awesome to see that service bolstered by the deals that is also added on. Because if it was just first-party, we'd have a big problem. It wouldn't be worth the subscription fee. I was going to bring up. I chose not to bring up Game Pass as a good this uh, on this show because you know it's almost like a meme at this point with us. Like we'll, <laughs> we go on about it so it's much. Such a great value in gaming. But what are you? But what are you supposed to do when it actually is that good? Like it genuinely is really good. Yeah. And um, how good it is. One thing that I, I think I may have mentioned this in the past that I really like about Game Pass is not yes value and all that kind of stuff. It's just that is I've talked about it before. It's like a discoverability engine. And I think that there is so, I've certainly had this experience with different kinds of games, and I'm sure many others have as well. Um, a game that might not be your cup of tea or the kind of game that you don't want to play uh, or you don't think you're going to like it. Someone else recommends it to you, but oh, I'm not going to pay, even if it's 10 bucks, or I'm not, I, yeah, I'm probably not going to like it. But if it's free, no, you know, no risk, give it a try, download it. And like, I just, I feel like with a system like that, again, the economics of it all are very opaque to me. I don't quite understand like how Game Pass makes money or if it makes a load of money or if it's losing money. I don't know. I don't care. I just know from my point of view as a, as a, as a gamer and as someone who's like interested in discovering new types of games and broadening my horizons, Game Pass is great for that because it, it makes it so easy for me to try things that I otherwise would never try. Yeah. I'll bring up our final one. And you did a really good job highlighting accessibility and how that team has really pushed forward on that. And of course, shout out to Forza who got Game of the Year award for pushing accessibility forward. I want to push the commitment to green and our planet Earth yes, because sustainability. Mother Earth is very important to me and it's easy to get bogged down by giant corporations or Taylor Swift on her private jet and me to be looking at you going, I'm doing my best, right? As a small speck on planet Earth, I am recycling. I'm trying to cut down on my water usage. I'm using less electricity, right? I love seeing a corporation try their best and be better at a commitment to green because I want planet Earth to stay longer, right? We saw them with the energy-saving abilities now on your Xbox and encouraging you to look at that, understand that, and maybe click on the energy-saving booster over there so you do that. Also, the Xbox Remix controller, right? Using recycled parts for not only the box but also the controller itself and those controllers absolutely shining because that green controller is freaking beautiful and i love that each one is unique because of the recycled plastics that they use they all look a little bit different i think it's rad and it is something that is important to me as someone who you know loves and lives up in the mountains up in tahoe i want winter to last forever i want the planet to last forever i want future generations to enjoy the world I mean, that yeah. i have it'd be great if the planet didn't go away exactly <laughs> so maybe i would like my billion dollar corporations to take a stand and really try their best. And it looks like Team Green is trying that and has a commitment to the earth. So I appreciate well, that. Well, it was interesting learning that part of their big sustainability program is not just, you know, sustainable materials for hardware and packaging and things, but telling developers who work with the hardware, giving them the data about how certain features that they put into their games and how it uses power within the architecture of the console. Wow. And letting them use that knowledge and that data to adapt their game so that they can make it more power friendly, I think is something that is really interesting and fascinating and absolutely earned them, you know, uh, numerous actually sustainability awards this year. And like learning about that, I mean, you don't really hear about that side of the sustainability of conversation when it comes to video games specifically. And there's been a lot of strides in that. And I think that it's really great that, you know, they're making a lot of moves in that area. And 
I do want to just, I know this is the Xbox show, but PlayStation has been very good about sustainability too. I think we need to call out everybody who's being good about sustainability because it's important for everybody. <laughs> Please, everybody do it. Participate. <laughs> Give everybody the, the pat on the back when they do something good for sustainability, okay? Because we need them to do more. <laughs> Gary, Andrea, and the audience out there, this will wrap up and conclude our Kind of Funny X-Cast for the final episode of 2023. It was a special one. Of course, big love to Paris Lilly, who is enjoying his Christmas vacation with his family now and missed this show. But of course, very special to have you on in person, Andrea Renee. I freaking love it. Thank you for that one. Gary Witta, you're the best big dog. Thanks, you get a buddy. little break. I'll see you in 2024. We'll have some more energy, some more Xbox fun. And of course, we're not going anywhere. But with that, thank you all so much for tuning in. Make sure to follow Andrea everywhere. Go check out What's Good Games. And of course, have a wonderful holiday season. On behalf of myself and the team here, kind of funny. Thank you so much for watching and listening. We do appreciate you. Happy holidays. Goodbye. <laughs>